Welcome to the Cool Explorations podcast and radio program with your host, Tony Peters. I hope you'll enjoy today's segment. Welcome to Cool Explorations. I know we've missed a week here. Uh, we had some some people cancel on us, but uh, we are back and we are today with Katie Cruz-Smith. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. I have a you tendency. Did. Thank you. I usually have a tendency to screw up names, so... Uh, I'm glad I got that one right. Uh, we're going to be discussing uh, her book, Why Did You Choose Me?, uh, which involves uh, adoption uh, as well as some with time with foster parenting and stuff like that. So really, really great topic and subject for us to be covering, uh, especially as Christians, um, as we are commanded to uh, love and care for the least of these. Um, and children are included in that. We see how much Jesus Christ loved children just so much by how much he invited them to come to him all the time, even though the disciples would try and rush them off as adults often do. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we start off by just getting you just to tell us a little bit about who you are um, and what you kind of, what you do, what your family um, situation looks like as well. Okay. Um, yes. Thanks for having me. Um, I am an adoptive mom. We adopted our first child back in 2008. Um, and then a couple of years later, um, her birth mom called us and said, I'm going to have another baby. Do you want this one? And we said, yes. And then three years later, she called us again and we <laughs> said, yes. <laughs> and each one of them has a really just a cool adoption story of how um, God made that happen because we were not prepared for any of them and we didn't, didn't have a budget. And, um, you know, we just watched God lead us through those doors. Um, We have always wanted to adopt. My husband and I, um, when we were dating, actually worked in a ministry in our church where we would go into the poorer parts of our city and bring in kids um, who, for whatever reason, were less fortunate. And some of them didn't even know when they left church to go home, who would be home with them. And a lot of times they would, we were with the first graders, the six-year-olds, and a lot of times they would beg us just to take them home with us and really got a hold of our hearts. And we said, we got to, what can we do? How can we help these kids? Um, So we got really um, started looking into what that means, being foster parents, being adoption um, advocates. And then there was a family in our church who actually worked at a boy's home And they would come with these teenage boys who were from all walks of life, had all different kinds of of issues related to what they had been through in their lives. And we never knew which ones were their actual biological sons and which ones they, they, it was just, they were family. And I was friends with a lot of them. And I just, I was just so impacted by their compassion for these kids. Um, And so I just, I always had it on my heart, but when when we got married, we thought, well, we'll probably have like a biological kid or two, and then we'll dabble in foster care and see what God does. Um, but I ended up um, struggling with infertility uh, related to, I have Graves disease. And so stuff started coming out that um, was very serious and affected um, a lot of my health. And so God closed that door and we were like, well, do we, do we start the adoption process now? What do we do? We went to our pastor. We talked to him about it. We got a lot of um, counseling and we started working with an agency here in town and they were going through a major with uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, upheaval 
of their staff and it, they weren't going to be able to even work with anybody for another year and a half. And we had already oh, been wow. trying five years of trying to ha- um, to become parents. That's all we wanted to do. Um, and I was working for an attorney at the time whose former assistant had um, worked with an adoption attorney. And he said, I want you to talk to her. And he called, he called her for me and made me do it while I was on the clock. So he could make sure I followed up with it. And um, so we met with um, with our adoption attorney and he just was so, um, he just was so experienced. He's an adoptive dad himself. And um, within just three months of, of retaining him, we were matched with this birth mother and I fell in love with her. Um, we consider her, we, we don't have, we have a semi-open adoption, so we've sent letters over the years and pictures, but we don't oh, really cool. see, we don't talk to her. The kids um, haven't really seen her or anything like that, but we have the channels open, and I just started feeling more and more like God was calling me to be there for other adoptive parents, but also to speak for the birth moms, because um, a lot during our adoption, a lot of people were, were saying you know, they, you say things that are insensitive. And, um, so God kind of led me down this road and now I work, I work part-time for our adoption attorney actually, um, as his marketing assistant, because I just really, um, felt like God wanted me to be a part of the adoption community and not just somebody who adopted and then moved on with my life. Um, so I like to, I go to events, the, the adoption events, and I speak at those, um, or I represent our attorney, and have like a table and people come up and, and talk to me about it. I, t- I talk through grants and loans and different ways to fundraise for your adoption. Um, and in the meantime, we have three beautiful children at home, um, 15, 12 and nine now. And um, we did a summer where we were respite foster, foster care parents. So um, if there was, a, we were the parents who were getting called at 3 a.m. And they'd say, we don't have anywhere for this kid to go. Can you guys take them? And we would take them until they could find a more permanent situation. So we've had 10 of those kids. um, And then we had to close our doors. We've moved and um, just some different life changes. God closed that door for us. Um, But we did start at our former church. We founded and ran for five years in an orphan ministry. So we were trying to get the church more involved. Um, I have a I have a passion for the church taking back um, the orphan ministry. I think we have let government get too involved. And I think it's very important for these kids to know that the church cares about them. And um, so I so I go around and I I speak to people about that. And some people run from me, especially during the month of November, which is National Adoption Month. (laughs) I I tend to be like, well, what are you doing? Um, and I, I firmly believe not everybody can adopt and not everybody can be a foster parent, but but there are ways that you can be involved and support adoptive and foster families and d- support the birth moms. Um, not every situation is not the same. And um, for a while, I was the birth mom liaison for our adoption attorney. So I was working one on one with these mothers who for, had not a single one of them had the exact same reason but for why they were placing their child for adoption so um i'm just very passionate about spreading the word i mean there's in the world there's over 30 million um kids that are without a family 
And so we need to do something that that the church needs to do something about that. It's a crisis that that shouldn't be. Yeah, and sadly, a lot of them end up in uh, slavery situations. Yes, um, uh, whether that's sex slavery or work slavery. Um, exactly. They end up in those kind of uh, positions, and when they grow up, they're still stuck in that. So it is it is definitely something that we do need to take uh, very seriously. Um, and I did work in a group home for for a couple of years, and yeah, it was oh, just wow. it, it was very hard seeing kids whose parents wouldn't show up uh, yeah. for appointments, um, and or they. Uh, you just see a lot of the like, fetal alcohol syndrome. We had had a yes. kid who had that, and he was he was a he was a big. <laughs> he was only thirteen, but he was big. Yeah. Um, and so he 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 definitely uh, struggled with a lot of anger, and sure. uh, it was it was calming him down and knowing when to back off and and mm-hmm. get somebody else to step in um, with him. And so it it definitely takes takes the right person when you're doing foster care to yeah. to know how to handle those kind of situations and uh, yes. kids with all kinds of different temperaments and backgrounds and uh, trying to understand where they've come from. Right. Uh, Cause you often don't know the abuse that they've maybe gone through or struggles that they've gone through. Um, Absolutely. So it, it's great to keep those kind of things in mind. We do have a couple in our church who does foster and they are working to adopt their, their son. He has health mm-hmm. issues like a lot. Okay. So they haven't been there been they've been pleased that he hasn't been moved around uh over yeah. the years because once they found him their their match with him they just kept them with them because it was yeah. really hard to place him elsewhere because he, he had to be fed with a tube and oh, well. now he can eat he can semi eat on his own um, right but it's taken a lot of work and time with them and now they're working to adopt um him well. so he does have some native He's mostly native, so they are really struggling to go through the adoption process because of that. Yes, Um, that creates another element, definitely. Yeah, and the the native liaison they've been dealing with is like, we don't really like to have our native children adopted because we Mm -hmm. get government kickbacks for having kids in fosters. So the the native reserve actually gets kickback for mm-hmm. their kid being a foster care. So they like to keep them in foster care. I'm like, well, that's not thinking about the child at all. You're thinking no. about your pocketbooks exactly. instead of trying to do what's best for the kid. Um, yeah. They do think that this is going to go through, but they've been told this is probably the the last native adoption that they're going to be seeing. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So that it just kind of puts in mind, just into perspective, how important fostering and adoption really is um and that it shouldn't be something about financial it should be about what can i do that's going to be helping right exactly this, this child um, yes. and that, as christians that should be the attitude we we should have it's not this is gonna be financially beneficial for me a little right. money on the side no it's, it's 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 definitely not financially successful no um and when you're given money oftentimes it's it's supposed most of the time it's spent on the kid trying right. to trying to feed exactly. them that's why you're getting the money is to help exactly feed and clothe and put supplies on the, with with the kid with the child exactly. that you take care of 
so definitely an important subject. Um, one, my wife and I, we've considered adoption with my son having so many health issues and my own health issues that hasn't really been viable for us. Right. Um, but uh, it's something that we've always, we've always wanted to do since we were, since we were dating, uh, we've yeah. always wanted to work at an orphanage in Africa. Uh, we've, oh, yeah. we've been planning that for a while before my health kibosh that, uh, right. God, that was God closing a door, telling us that that wasn't his plan for us. But we've always right. kept in mind that we'd love to, to adopt, um, a child from, from Africa or mm-hmm. one of those countries, um, like that, um, even yeah. a Hispanic country, just to provide a home for, for these kids that wouldn't have a better life otherwise. Right. Um, and I do think it's also important to keep in mind how many children in Canada and the U S that actually are without homes or without proper care at home Um, right you look at the single parent how many households are single parent households yeah Um, they're not oftentimes getting both both parents um, right from both and they need a a male and female role model that they can get influence from so they can learn about both sides of things Uh, mothers tend to teach a lot more about the sensitivity side of things um, yeah. and with, with my wife, more the financial side of things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's good to have the influence of, of both parents. Um, right. and for homes that are homosexual, uh, it is still good to have two parent influence, uh, in terms yeah. of that. So, uh, both personalities contributing, uh, to the host, uh, the household. Absolutely. Um, so I do really think it's important what you've been doing, what you've been speaking on. Um, we kind of covered why adoption is important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with uh, with your health stuff, uh, that that is definitely a, a good reason uh, for that, and that's often a reason why many people get into adoption, right? Um, and foster care. Uh, what is your testimony? Uh, your walk with God, what does that look like leading up to leading up to the point where where you, you've you've been now or where you've started adopting and foster care? Um, well, I've grown up in a Christian home. My dad is a pastor at a um, local church. He's uh, one of the assistant pastors. And so I've grown up in a Christian school, went to a Christian college um, where our church is very involved with um orphan ministry, as far as like the boys home, um, there's a local, um, organization here that focuses on all aspects, helps the birth moms, helps the orphans, helps, um, people who need to be in rehab. Um, they kind of do all of it. So our church has always supported them, supported, um, local pro-life, um, groups and stuff like that. So I feel like I've, I've kind of always grown up in that, um, but I was saved when I was five. And so I think that um, God has just always put this heart in me that to care for others as he has cared for me. And, um, you know, some people don't like it when you compare the adoption of us by God to adoption of children, because it almost makes it sound like as adoptive parents are their saviors. And that's not true at all. But I think that the beauty is that we can see there's a brokenness in our system that says these children cannot be raised in their biological family and they need to be raised by a healthy home. I think um, 
I think when we compare that to what God did to us, it just makes it seem even more wonderful, the adoption God offers to us to become his sons and daughters Mm -hmm. and to accept that gift. And, And in the same way, these children of mine, you know, they have to, I'm adopting them and legally I'm their mother and legally my husband's their father, but they have to accept that gift. I mean, they have to say, yes, I will also claim you as my mom and dad. I will, you know, not call you Katie and Jamie. I will call you mom and dad. I will um, accept the gift that you are giving to me to be your heirs and to, um, to learn from you and to accept your love. So there's, I think um, there's a two part thing of us being able to see the grace God gives, but also to know that we are, we are not their saviors. We are blessed to be able to be their parents. God has given them to us. Um, and I, um, I think like with each of their stories, God has shown me more clearly how he's going to provide for us. If he wants a child in our home, then he made a way for them to be here. And um, each of their stories is there. There's no way any of my children should be with us if you saw our finances when we were going mm. through the adoption process uh, adoption especially private adoption extremely expensive yeah. and just raising children anybody who has children knows they're expensive and they require food daily and clothing and, and you would think that would get a little cheaper as they get older but it actually gets more no. expensive as they get older <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so um but yeah god has just shown us through you know strangers have have sent money they heard our story and and they sent money for my son's adoption that we had gotten to the point where we thought god is closing the store there's no more money there's no way we can move forward and you know then all of a sudden i had like these emails from people who were i had i had no idea who they were and they just sent money and it was you know enough to cover expenses the next expenses and um i think god just made it so clear like this is not your plans these are my plans so you can't do anything about this i'm going to take this on um and even just the fact that i'm a mother when i was told that i was infertile and i couldn't i wasn't going to be able to birth children um that god said well in psalms he says that he makes the barren woman the joyous mother of children and that's me. I am the barren woman who is the joyous mother of children. And I tell people I have 13 children, even though I only have three who live with me now, because those other 10 children, they came in, they grabbed my heart. And even if they were only with me for 24 hours, they're always going to be a part of me and a part of, and even if I only had 24 hours to, to love on them and pour, pour Christ into them, that was 24 hours that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So um, I think I think that God through through my life has just shown himself so faithful and um, and I'm so thankful for how he provides for families. And, And I think no family is the same as another. And we get these ideas from television and stuff that there has to be a certain family structure and this is how it is. And um, I think I think God says, no, I I created families. I want your family to look this way. 
And so I might not look like your family, but my family is pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we don't realize the, the impact that we can have on children uh, and how that impacts them growing up uh, yeah. throughout that. And it's, it's wonderful to have adoption and foster care as an option, but it's so sad to see what the government has done with, with it and how they've kind of, they've really ruined the program yes, uh, by sure. ma- by making it more expensive um the adoption yeah. process especially anytime you get lawyers and government involved especially mixed uh yes. it, the price adds up pretty pretty quick um when there's so many families that that need homes yes. uh, or kids that need homes and need families it's mm-hmm. it's really sad to see how expensive it is and that that's one thing that's always really bothered my wife and I is how expensive it is Right. to adopt a child when there's so many kids who could benefit from a home, but right. people who would give them homes can't afford it. And right. it ends up, it ends up making it so there's less kids being adopted, which means more kids mm-hmm. stuck in the system being bounced right. from home to home. Um, yes. Which is another thing that's always bothered us about foster care is that they get bounced from home to home. And it's like, Me too. you'd be better if they just stayed in a home where right. they can have that that family structure, they can feel like they're wanted, not wondering what's the next place going to be like, what's right. the next school going to be like, how am I going to make friends? Like, exactly. let, let them get settled into into a proper structure and not yeah. worrying about when they're going to be shoved shuffled off to shuffled off to the next home. Right, um, absolutely. And I will say one of the misconceptions about private adoption is that it it's the attorneys that are overcharging. Um, but I happen to know personally, it's not the, it's not the attorneys. Um, a lot of the laws, as far as, um, what the birth parents can ask for a lot of expenses that, that tends to be a lot, um, trying to match. If you have to use like a matching service, the amount of money, the matching services ask to connect you with a birth mom are astronomical, um, it's usually the attorney is the smallest expense of all of it. And you you want somebody who knows the law so that we're, you know, and my attorney, especially that was something we really looked for. He has worked at changing the law in our state to try to make it more accessible because there was so much red tape when he was adopting his girls who are my age now. And he said, this is ridiculous. We got to change some stuff. So he's done some things that are really good. Um, but there's still so much red tape and all of that red tape you have to get through costs money because there's somebody behind it who has to be paid for the time that they're putting into it. So I, I do try to deconstruct that a little bit for people that it's not the attorney himself or herself. Um, It's the home study fees, the background checks and and all of that stuff that goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. The government definitely, uh, they know how to uh, milk, every dollar at every situation yes um and and i do i do think it's very very sad uh because there's so many people who would provide loving homes uh and and they can't so i think that kind of gets us into what inspired you to write the the kids book that that you wrote the picture book uh why did you choose me uh can you just explain a little bit more what kind of inspired that um that book to be well um when we were presented with the opportunity to adopt my my third child 
um, we had nothing at that point. And um, we just didn't know how God was going to provide. So I was trying to find different ways. And um, I actually found, I went on Pinterest of all things and was looking for adoption grants. And there was a couple, I think they lived in Maine, um, somewhere somewhere in New England that they, I, I don't know if they had adopted themselves. I'm not really sure their story, but they had decided that each year they were going to have an essay contest for adoptive parents. And they would choose a different topic each year and they would award $1,000 just out of their own money. They just were very generous. And so the topic that year was, if your child comes to you one day and said, why did you choose me? What would you say? And so I wrote an essay about that was basically a love letter to my child about why I chose them and why I wanted to be their mom. And I won the grant. So um, it was a wonderful grant. And then um, I had a friend who is a local art teacher and she's always brainstorming with me. And she was actually teaching me how to garden. So I was up at her little farm and learning how to garden. And I was just kind of com complaining like my heart. I was pouring my heart out to her and saying, I'm so frustrated because God presents me with this baby. But I don't know how to like raise enough money to, to bring her into my home. What do I do? I'm torn. I want my kids to stay with their biological siblings if they can what do I do and she's like well you won that essay she's like let's turn it into a book I'll do the illustrations for you and um you know and then let's figure out how to sell this and raise money for your adoption well that seemed like a great idea and she um Sarah Strickling Jones is her name and she's fabulous but neither one of us had any kind of publishing experience even though I have a degree in publishing I didn't have any experience getting a book published. And so um, we talked to a few people and they were like, well, you know, raise $15,000 and publish it on your own. And I said, well, that's kind of defeating the point. If I had $15,000, I would be putting that into my adoption, not into this book <laughs> to raise money. Um, so it actually ended up um, sitting on my shelf for about four years. And um, then a good friend of mine um, that I grew up with, um, she became COO of a small Christian publishing company here in town. And she's like, as my first project, I want to take on your book and I'm going to talk to our publisher about about you. And so Dr. Sam Lowry is our publisher. And he said, I think you have a compelling story because it's not just about the, the it's not just a cute picture book. There's a story behind it. You have a, a passion to share with others and to be an encouragement to the adoption and foster community. And so he took it on and um, I actually work for them now. I'm their senior editor now. It just kind of spiraled into a job for me. But um, he has been super supportive of my book. And um, so that's kind of it, it answers the questions. Oh, I changed some things because, you know, it was four years later. So my baby that hadn't been born yet was now four years old and had an opinion about the book. So, <laughs> um, and the other two had opinions. So those questions are actually, you know, based on their lives and, you know, there is a mess behind closet doors and, you know, they do always try to do tricks and impress me with, with what they can do. And um, I just, I think children everywhere need to know, like, it's not really about, what you do or 
or any of that. It's just you're because of who you are. You're a child that God gave to me and you're precious in his sight and you're precious to me. And um, I just wanted them to hear that. And so it's their, it's still their favorite book. Even the 15 year old who doesn't think I'm so cool anymore. <laughs> she, <laughs> she still loves it. And um, so, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really excited The when I meet people who say, Oh, my kids love this. This was so impactful in our home. Um, our local um, child welfare um, department has used it. They give it out to some of their families. My adoption attorney is like our, my number one customer. He'll keep it and give it out to um, new clients and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I just, I just wanted to reach kids and I, my kids were a little frustrated because there were so many like bunny books out there about adoption or the pandas adopted by, no, you know, no. lions and that kind of thing. And they were like, well, where are the books that where we are in? Like what yeah. we want to be seen. We want to, we look different. And so actually my, my illustrator friend, um, drew kids in that book that looked like my kids to make oh, it cool. unique and special for them. Yeah, I have a couple of, uh, well, I have a f several books published, actually myself, um, yep. self-published, most of them. Um, and one of the picture books we did um, together as a family was uh, Colors of Fall. So mm -hmm. it, it was just explaining all the different colors that, that you see during fall. And I tied in my, my kids, their pictures and my own photography. Every oh, yeah. picture in there is, is pictures that I took. Uh, and it's got my kids as a, as a main feature in there, and they absolutely love that book. Um, I know the publishing process can be quite a headache uh, at times. Um, I enjoyed self-publishing more than I did going through a publisher. I did. Mm -hmm. I went through a publisher once, and I decided just to self-publish after that. All my books have yeah. made have made money, but didn't make me rich by any means. Yes. Uh, but th that. Colors of Fall book, uh, we also turned into Spanish because my sister-in-law is from Guatemala. Oh, so, wow. so she had some influence in that book as well. And she wanted me just to take all the profits and everything from it. I'm like, no, anything I get from it, you could have. You put the oh, Spanish yeah. stuff into it. Um, but it just kind of made it more of a family project, which was kind of fun. Like you say, and showing the kids' personality through that through the right. book, something that they can feel like they're like they're a part of. Right. Uh, and uh so I love that aspect of it. Um, and just want to make sure people know where to find you. Um, where can they find your your book online uh, and, and about you? Um, you can find it on Amazon. Um, it's sold through my publisher on ambassador-international.com. Um, anywhere, uh, any major booksellers, Christian book distributors, um, uh, Barnes & Noble, trying to think of all of them, but anywhere books are sold, you can find it. Um, you can find me, you can follow my Facebook page. Uh, it's Katie Cruz Smith. Um, that's Cruz like juice, C-R-U-I-C-E. Um, editor, author, slash author. Um, I'm on Goodreads as Katie Cruz Smith. Instagram, author Katie Smith. I'm on Alignable now as Katie Cruz Smith, editor slash writer. Or you can follow, you can go on, follow my Website, www.katiecruzsmith.com. Thank you for listening to the Cool Explorations podcast and radio program. 
I hope that you've enjoyed today's segment, and uh, I hope that you'll consider supporting us at uh, Pool Explorations on Patreon, as well as uh, you can shoot me an email at tpeters745 at gmail.com if you'd like to support in other ways other than Patreon. <laughs>